0: Welcome to Bible Study. This is Nick Krita, your host. It's our privilege and pleasure again to welcome you and to ask you to consider to stay with us for the whole hour, because we have again uh, prepared an interesting study. We are starting kind of a new topic, future hope. And today we are going to talk about rebellion in a perfect universe. I would like to welcome our panel for today. Welcome back for a while, Ligia. Good to have you with us again.
1: Yeah, praise the Lord, I'm here, and uh, I'm very grateful to God.
0: And it's good to have you with us, uh, also, Jerry. Thank you, Nick. Great to be back. Ken, thank you for joining. Thank you, Nick. It's a privilege to be here in this beautiful day. Joe, it's good to have you back with us.
2: Yes, well, thank you. Always a pleasure.
0: Len, it's good to have you part of this program, too. Oh, thank you for the welcome. Will, it's good to have you part of this again. Always good to be part of it. Thank you, Nick. And Brenton, thank you for joining.
3: Uh, My privilege, uh, Nick. It's a real blessing to be on and to be able to share this subject, Rebellion in a Perfect Universe.
0: Thank you so much for um, preparing this Bible study, Brenton. It's, uh, I believe, a very important one for it all of is, us. It is, Nick. It is. And, yes. um, yeah, again, uh, you put a lot of effort in, in preparing this, and thank you so much again. Uh, I would like to just hand it over to you right now, and please take us through.
3: Thank you. As uh, uh, Nick stated earlier on, the title of our study for today is Rebellion in a Perfect Universe. Now, that almost seems to be an oxymoron or a contradiction in terms, Rebellion in a Perfect Universe. However, as we look at the world that we live in in 2022, I didn't realise, Nick and panel, until I did some research the other day that currently there are 27 conflicts going on worldwide the one that we hear about the most of of course which is front and center is the uh, the conflict the special military operation in the ukraine conducted by the russian army but um, as i looked at some of the others you realize one thing you realize we are not living in a world of tranquility and peace by any means sometimes as human beings some of these questions that come to our mind are questions like these How did our world become like this? Has it always been like this? Because in our lifetimes, all of us, none of us can ever recollect uh, that this uh, has ever been any different. Here's another interesting statistic for those who like statistics. I found out recently that in about 3,800 years of human history, there have only been 27 years where there has been no recorded conflicts on the planet, (laughs) Now, that's a staggering statistic. Um, a second point is, is God a good and evil, a necessary counterbalance? There are people in our society who think that, um, ah well, they sort of balance one another out. In the Chinese, it's known as yin and yang. Another question is, well, why did God allow sin in the first place? For did sin originate with an individual? And the most important question, I guess, of the lot is this. What is God doing about the problem? So I'm going to invite Len, would you pray for us on air, please, because I believe we really need the Holy Spirit's guidance as we study the limited information we have from the Word of God and other sources on this subject. Thanks, Len.
4: Dear Father in Heaven, we today are speaking on your behalf. Yes. Opening to our listeners from the Word of God. And we know that many people are very ignorant about the subject of sin and where it came from. We pray that you'll guide us, that we say the things that you would like people to hear. We pray that not only the Holy Spirit will bless us as a panel, but bless everybody who's listening to this broadcast, that they might associate themselves with you, and not the originator of sin. Mm. We invite your blessings today in Jesus' name. Amen.
3: There are two key people that are actually mentioned in the study that we're undertaking today. One of them is Jesus Christ, and we'll come to that. He's known by another title in uh, one of the aspects of the study that we're looking at today. However, the other one is known as Lucifer and his name means light bearer or shining one. And he's described in Revelation fourteen twelve as someone who stood next to Christ in authority and power. Joe is going to touch on that in a minute with us. The Bible doesn't tell us a lot about the origin of sin. I wonder whether not only we as a panel, but as listeners, we have ever wondered, why doesn't the Bible give us a whole book or maybe even a whole chapter or a whole section on why did sin begin or how did it begin and um uh, what god is doing about it and yet throughout the bible starting in genesis and going right through to revelation basically we find that the great controversy as we know it that is going on between good and evil it had had an origin uh, it came about because of our first parents falling in genesis 3 but in genesis in uh, revelation 22 we find that everything has been made new and God's universe has been restored to what it was before. There's an interesting statement here that I want to share with you. Sin is an intruder for whose presence no reason can be given. It is mysterious, unaccountable. To excuse it is to defend it. Now, they are strong words, but worth pondering on. Could excuse for it be found? or cause be shown for its existence, it would cease to be sin. Our only definition of sin is that given in the word of God, transgression of the law. And of course, we know that's found in First John 3, verse 4. It is the outworking of a principle, sin that is, at war with the law of love, which is the foundation of divine government. Panel, do you have any comments on this? Have, Have you ever sat down and speculated, not speculated, but pondered this particular issue, particularly this statement, sin is an intruder for whose presence no reason can be given. Has anyone got any thoughts on that particular matter that uh, you have thought about? Will, you would have something to share with us? Thank you.
5: Well, I guess it boils down to the question, was God taken by surprise? I'd like to suggest not at all. You see, the Bible affirms that God is perfect in knowledge. He knows all things, even the end from the beginning, from ancient times, things which are not yet done. I think that God's knowledge, foreknowledge, is absolute. The fact that he knows the future doesn't control the future, shall I say.
3: And Interesting perhaps thought.
5: Hmm. Perhaps comment on that uh, on that a bit later. But God was not taken by by surprise something happened in the heart of an individual, as we will see.
3: Mm, Thank you. Len, you had some thoughts on this one too. Yes,
4: I would like to suggest and given an analogy. Yes. To a person who's perfectly healthy and going along fine and then suddenly finds that they have a terminal illness, for example, cancer. Mm -hmm. And this is basically what's happened in god's kingdom now we're going to discuss this further as we go along but i see it a bit like that
3: wise words nick
0: yeah what i would like to just add to what len said to continue probably that example is that when you find out about that you are in a position either to take some um, measures or to ignore yes Yes. and i think that's uh, one of the things which we learn uh, that, uh, as Will was mentioning a bit earlier, God was not taken by surprise because he's uh, omniscient, all-knowing, but he had to take some measures. Mm. And uh, that's probably where we are going to look a little bit more, particularly for this team. Um, uh, we are going to look into detail over the next few weeks, Yes, your hope because yep. we have hope, even though we live in a world where you mentioned a bit earlier, Brandon, which seems like
3: no hope. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Joe, you had a thought, and then
2: Lydia and then uh, Jerry. Just a quick thought. Now, we know that God knew about the cancer all along, and he chose not to cut it out. He, cho- he actually created Lucifer knowing that he would turn into Satan. And it makes me think that What kind of a God would he be if he would pick and choose whom he created in order to eliminate anyone who would question him, anyone who would question his goodness, anyone who would stand up to him, anyone who would oppose him in any way? Wouldn't that be corruption? Uh, Wouldn't that be corruption? So so God knew that this was going to happen, and yet he did not – pick him out, destroy him before he could develop, because that would be contrary to God's nature. He would not uh, stack, what would you call, what's the word that they use? He would not fix it so that he was on top all the time.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: That that would be corruption in our way of thinking.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Good thought. Lydia, you had a thought for us.
1: Contemplating on the fact that God knows the future, he could control the future, but he didn't want, and he doesn't want to interfere with his creatures decisions.
2: Mm. He left
1: the the free choice to everyone, including mm. to the angels, mm. to Lucifer. Yes. And he didn't want to interfere. He knew from the beginning, and he, he has seen the future because he know he can, can know the future. But he, as he decided to leave the free choice to everyone, he's leaving a total free choice to everyone.
6: Yes. Okay. Um Jerry, you had a yeah, thought for us uh, too. Yeah, I'm uh, thinking along the same lines of Lydia. Uh, God made us intelligent beings uh with the ability to to have choices and to make the wrong choice. That's what it implies. Mm. And I don't think. I don't think. Uh, Lucifer's problem to start with was that he made the wrong choice but that he persisted in that, with that wrong choice, that he kept on, you know, that he dug his heels in. And um my understanding of God is that God is a reasonable God. When you think of the uh, verse in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 I think, where God says come let us reason together. Yes. yes. I like to think that uh, considering the uh the issue that's at hand god would have um reasoned mm. as well with mm. his created beings and with lucifer and tried as hard as he could to somehow get through to him that his his mm. choice was doomed yeah and that uh, a nice again considering the circumstances or the uh, the issue at stake i think god would have tried to explain as best he could what the result would be if you persisted in pursuing that choice. Yeah, thank you, Jerry. Uh, We know, if
0: we look into the Word of God, that uh, God is not a God who predestined everything to happen as He wishes. We are part of the future, if you like. Mm. We are involved Mm. in that. We can make the future in accordance with our free choice. We'll deal with this aspect more and more as we're going through some other topics, but uh, we can have wrong uh, perceptions yeah. about God uh, from many points of view.
3: Yeah. One of the interesting things, I think, in summarizing this is that, um, Joe, I think you touched on it. If If God had stepped in right at the point where Lucifer first rebelled and started to influence everybody else, um, really what you're saying is that it's my way or the highway. And God was really giving Lucifer an opportunity to demonstrate what his style of government would be if because he believed that God's government was defective. It needed improvement. So God said, all right, here's an opportunity for you to demonstrate what your type of government is. Um, we know that God's government is based on love, and Len's going to come to that right now. Uh, we know that love is the principle undergirding um, God's whole universe, not just heaven and the earth down here, but all of the created worlds. They all operate on the baseness that God is love. But um, here you've had another element introduced into it, which is based on self. It's a very different element. its uh, It's based on self-determination, my rights, my role, my way of doing things, and God is giving Lucifer here an opportunity to share on it. But the principle of love is very clearly enunciated in Scripture. Len, can you share with us from 1 John 4, verse 8 to 11, and any comments that you may deem are appropriate?
4: Okay, well, unlike various governments in the world, which are based on fear and force, God's kingdom has, has already been said is based on love. And here I'm going to read to you from First John 4, verses 8 to 11. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, That he loved us And sent his son As an atoning sacrifice For our sins Dear friends Since God so loved us We also Ought to love one another So here we have If you like the charter Of God's kingdom Of God's Mm. government It is based on love God does not do anything And I'll repeat that. God does not do anything out of any other motive than love. So now what we are dealing with today is how, where original sin began. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of people don't know this. It's, uh, they just, uh, well, they're not taught in their churches. And of course, most others wouldn't know anyhow. But when God created the world, he made a declaration about what he had done, and he said it was good. He said it was very good. So in the beginning, this world was created perfectly. Yes. But something went wrong, and you can read about this in your Bible in Genesis chapter 3. Sin entered this perfect world. And that's where all the trouble began. Now, in today's study, we're going to find out who introduced that sin and where it started even before it entered into the world. But the sin, of course, is, um, is doing what is against God. The Bible defines sin as transgression of the law. The law of what? Yes. Well, it's the Ten Commandments, which is the law of love. So God's we come kingdom. back. God's kingdom is based on love. Sin came in, and it's like the cancer I mentioned a little earlier. Yes. it spoilt things, and we are living in a world filled with it.
3: Yeah, Lynn, that's a very good comment. Panel, do you think that love can be forced? Because if um, God's whole universe is governed by love, is it something that can be forced or is it something that's voluntary?
2: If uh, love were to be forced, it would only engender fear.
3: Yes, good thought. Anybody else? I think, Brenton,
7: love as in most things really cannot be forced Love comes from the heart, and if you haven't got love in your heart, well, you can't really force it in there. And I think as we look, sometimes people think the Ten Commandments are are really difficult laws, but if you really look at it logically, the Ten Commandments are all about love.
3: Uh, They are. Didn't Jesus say, if you love me, what? Keep my commandments. Yeah. Anybody else?
6: Jerry? Yeah, just picking up on what Lynn said. Um, I always like to look at the Ten Commandments as uh, ten principles that God gives us for a happy and successful life. If, yes, if, if yeah. we believe that God made us, then surely the one who created us and knows everything about us uh, has the ideal blueprint for living and being and living in harmony with Him. So uh, it makes perfect sense. I you know commandment sometimes has this uh idea of, of force maybe because of the word command but um i look at it as as 10 blessings if you live this way you'll be blessed if yeah, you, jerry you know
3: I, mean? I like i like that
6: I like that very much. But is, isn't it interesting? When you're
3: making something, usually you have instructions with you. Am I right? Mm. And uh, as uh, this seems to be a particular uh, paragon of males, more so than females. Um, try and put it together first. And if it doesn't come together, read the instructions, seems to be. The... <laughs> <laughs> I've done this more than once where I've thought, I know how to do this, and you try and put it together In the end, you realize you have to go back and read the instructions. Nick?
0: I would like to add also that, you know, we live in an age of um, artificial intelligence. Yes. When people are trying to replicate, if you like, everything, you know, around. Yes. But I don't think so they can replicate this one that a robot or some artificial intelligence would love something out of their uh, choice mm. they need to be programmed and that's why uh, the love of god which mm. he shared with us and let's say at creation he planted if you if you like in yes. or yeah. it's yes. because of our choice it's it's something which we share is not that god says okay you have to love me or yeah. if not yeah. you are doomed yeah. and that's with the um, artificial intelligence if a robot or a machinery doesn't uh, uh, perform in accordance with what was designed to do, it's going to be destroyed. It's going to be trashed out. Yep. Very different
3: It is with ne- the relationship
0: in yep. between God and, and his creation.
3: Yeah. And the other interesting point here, of course, is that um, love can't be pre-programmed. Love has to be spontaneous. In uh, the debate...
4: The creation evolution debate uh, On one occasion People were supposed to give the reasons Why they believed in either creation or evolution
3: Yes With
4: just two debaters And the one said One of the evidences Of God As creator Is that there is love in the world Yes There is no evidence to show any love in evolution if it's based on survival of the fittest so that reiterates what i just read before that god is love
3: love comes from god yeah yeah would it be fair to say in summarizing this question before we move on that if God is love and that love is the principle of the universe, therefore sin must be diametrically opposed to love. Yes, it is. Joe, would you like to share with us um, who this person was, what was his position? Maybe share with us a little bit on that, based on Ezekiel and also uh, the book of Isaiah. Thanks,
2: Well The Bible points us to a creature, a heavenly creature, that was the originator of sin, that... It was found in his heart. And I'll start by reading Ezekiel before I go to Isaiah. And Ezekiel Ezekiel 28, um, 12 says, You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God, and that's an allusion to his presence, to Mm -hmm. tempt the holy pair. Every precious stone adorned you carnelian, chrysolite, and emerald, topaz, onyx, and jasper, lapis lazuli, turquoise, and beryl. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. You were the anointed. You were anointed as a guardian cherub. Mm-hmm. And then in Isaiah, it says, How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. And I guess we'll be discussing further portions of these scriptures in our um, study. But here we have a creature, a creature that was the devil, and he began his life as a glorious sheriff covering God's throne. Mm -hmm. Now, before he sinned, This cherub, the archangel, Lucifer, the shining one, there are a number of verses, Satan, he shone. He shone. He was the shining one. He shone, but not with his own light. He reflected God's light. And that gave, he was, it was the proximity. He was so close to God. He was given a high position as the anointed cherub who covers meaning that his wings outstretched over God's throne. And if we could picture, I imagine it to be a little bit like the Ark of the Covenant, if we can yes, imagine that, yes, yep. where the angel wings hover over the mercy seat. And this was his position. He was so close to God. He was so close to knowing what perfect beauty and goodness came from, from God. He was created beautiful in every way. He was perfect. He was wise. He was beautiful. He had astounding skills and talents, especially musical talents. Yes. And which were probably used in praising him. So praising God rather until there were questions that arose in his mind that he harbored and pondered and probably was conflicted over for quite some time. But God knew what was festering in his mind long, mm-hmm. long before mm-hmm. it happened.
3: Yeah, thank you, Joe. Is any other members of the panel got any comment on this one before we uh, look at this next comment, which I find rather interesting?
0: Brenton, I think it's yeah. uh, worth it to just maybe reiterate yeah. is uh, while uh, Joe was reading in Ezekiel uh, chapter 28, it really attracted my attention when uh, I looked at this uh, verse uh, again, and that was uh, verse 13 which says here, you were in Eden, in the Garden of God. This is talking about before his fall. Yes, it is. Mm. And it's very interesting because we know how we associate the Garden of Eden with the Mm. first pair, you know, the parents, Adam and Eve, and so on and so forth. It's interesting that the Bible says that you are in the Garden of Eden and then describe Satan, how he was beautiful and with all those precious stones and as joe mentioned you know even uh, in charge of the music if mm. you
3: like he, and the heavens choir.
0: and how interesting it is and important that even today music is the most influential thing which yes. can can direct our mind and our well-being, you know, yeah. and Satan can misuse that again. Yeah. But I thought it's worth uh, worth to to mention that that Satan was mentioned that he was in the Garden of Eden.
3: Yeah, can I you know, just share with you when the, when uh, the world as we know it is uh, is remade, and when we go to heaven, we are told uh, from other sources that the Garden of Eden that was here upon this earth that God created will be seen again in heaven. So there is a suggestion here that uh, there was a Garden of Eden or some type of thing in heaven before this world was created. And I, I think it's important because Satan did not sin after the creation of this world. He sinned before the creation of this world. I, I think that's a very important point that we
6: need to make. Just a quick point. It, it appears if you read uh, Ezekiel, uh, 28 verse, um, uh, the last part of verse 12, where it says, you were the seal or the model of perfection. Yes. Uh, that's, um, full of wisdom and beauty and, uh, and perfect in beauty and so forth. And, and then verse 14, you were the anointed cherub who covers. To me, it seems as though there was a, a hierarchy if you like, if that's the right word, in the in the angels, now God yes. would have created all the angels perfect, but yes. it, it yes. seems from my understanding here that uh, that uh, Lucifer, as it were, uh, was given an elevated state or position in the order yes. of angels, yes. and that um, as we have touched on and, and probably will um, unfold a bit further, he his focus shifted from his love for his maker, to love for himself. Yes. He, he fell in love with himself, basically. He looked at all his beauty and he thought, wow, look at me. And, and we have the tendency to do that as well a bit, don't we? Yeah, yeah we do. Um, Ledger and then Will.
1: So before his fall, Lucifer abused this chance of uh, free will uh, and he abused that perfection that God offered him and he became corrupted by considering himself more important than he actually was. And he was not satisfied with how God had created and honoured him, but he lost his thankfulness to God and wished to receive more recognition than he actually deserved.
3: Hmm. Yeah, legit, that's a good point. One of the things that's coming through in our discussion so far, as, as I see it, is this. That is that he refused to to recognize that his glory, his wisdom, his brightness, his beauty came from the one who created him. He took uh, all of those attributes to himself. Will, did you have a further thought for us?
5: Just simply to, um, on behalf of this panel, defend God uh, by saying that the Bible tells us that uh, Satan or Lucifer was perfect in your ways from the day you were created. Yes. Iniquity was found in you. Let's not harbour the thought that God created the devil.
3: Thank you. Okay, there's a comment here before we move on that says this. There was no possibility here for the redemption, in brackets, Satan and his angels who had witnessed and enjoyed the inexpressible glory of heaven and had seen the terrible majesty of God. And in presence of all this glory, had rebelled against him. There was no new and wonderful exhibitions of God's exalted power that could impress them so deeply as those they had already experienced. Their guilt and their punishment must be in proportion to their exalted privileges in the heavenly courts. Would anyone like to comment briefly on that before we uh, move on to? Um, do you think maybe I could preface it by saying this? We know nothing of the atmosphere. Uh, that they are expelled from as we have ne- we have never lived in heaven does god do you think take into account this when mankind is judged in other words is the judgment that god will mete out to satan and his angels shall we say of a more elevated level even though the end result is eternal death and eternal destruction both for god for um, lucifer and his followers and also for mankind do you think that he is more guilty in in that sense than human beings are. I think I think we're Joe, did you have a thought on that? I've I've often pondered this one. Mm.
2: Well, I'd like to I like to think of that text where it says he hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Goodies, yes. For as the heaven is high above earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. I think it's not a question of God being unwilling to forgive or redeem. I think it's a question that sin, it's the corruptive nature of sin that so Changes the heart so that it resists God's love, that it becomes, you know, when you have, have we ever tried to reason with someone only to find that they're getting more and more entrenched in their position. And so when God speaks to them, when he tries to draw them, they are further and further digging in and pulling away so that it's not so much God's unwillingness, but the corruptive nature of iniquity and sin.
3: Yeah, Joe, that's a very good comment. Someone has once said that God's love or God's uh, grace and God's glory can be poured out on two things. I think we've heard this analogy before. God's love is poured out. We we could use the analogy that um when the sun shines, it shines on butter and it shines on clay. Now, if you put butter out in the sun, what happens to it? It melts. If you put clay out in the sun, what happens to it? Ned Hardens So you've you've got that Will, I wondered if you could share with us I think we've touched on the seal of perfection A little bit I wondered if you could share with us uh, Will more about uh, what is said In Isaiah 14 verse 12 to 14 Where <laughs> there is um, if, if I was an ophthalmologist I think I would be saying This guy has eye trouble <laughs> I wondered if you could share that with us uh, Will is to <laughs> What is said because the statements that are made here are actually very significant ones.
5: Isaiah fourteen verses twelve to fourteen uh, reads, "How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning! Yes. How you are cut down to the ground! You are you who weakened the nations, for you have said in your heart, and this is where he starts talking about I, yes. you have said in your heart." I will ascend unto heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation of the farthest side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high.
3: Any thoughts, anybody, on on this? Uh, Particularly the issue, uh, Len... um, What what aspect of what Will has read really jumps out at you?
4: Of course, the eye disease problem.
3: (laughs) Eye disease, yes.
4: I actually want to address in relation to what Will said. Yes. Some common things that have been said, and here's one of them. If God created Lucifer, therefore God is to blame, ultimately to blame for sin. Well, I don't believe that's correct because God gave all his created beings, intelligent beings, free choice. Yes. I uh, went and consulted about ten different Bible commentaries. Right. With reference to what Will had just said. Mm -hmm. And pretty much each of them, because uh, Isaiah is uh, addressed to the king of Babylon, yes, and in Ezekiel 28 it's addressed to the king of Tyre. Yes. But, of course, there are some impossibilities, the king of Tyre and the king of Babylon were not in Eden and so on, and I think it's important to remember when reading those two scriptures uh, that the king of Babylon and the king of Tyre, while some of what is mentioned is addressed to them, that they became a symbol of Lucifer. Yes. So in reading those two sections of Scripture, Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28, it's good to remember that it applies in some instance to the king of Tyre and the king of Babylon, but it applies to Lucifer, who was motivated by the same, well, he had the same motivation
3: Yes, the king of
4: Tyre and the king of Babylon wanted to be the greatest. king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, look what what I have made, he said. Yes. God brought him down so that he could see that what he was able to do and who he was was there simply because of the gift of God. Mm. It's good for us to remember too. When we get a little bit uppity and think we're pretty good, If God should say, all right, you've just had your last breath, how would you get on from that point? Yes. It is because of the grace of God that we live, the king of Tyre lived and the king of Babylon lived. Mm. And it's because of the grace of God and also his love that Lucifer wasn't snuffed out as soon as he rebelled.
3: Thank you, Len. That, uh, That summarized it pretty well. Uh, one of the things, Will, you read was uh, I will sit on the mount of uh, the sides of the congregation of the north, or words to that effect. Uh, this, we believe, Bible commentators believe that this, the mount of God or the mount of assembly is where God sits and rules uh, the affairs of the universe. Uh, this is what uh, Lucifer aspired to in uh, sitting on God's throne. He wanted to rule the universe. I want you to note this comment as we move on. Concealing his real purposes, he assembled the angelic hosts. He introduced his subject, which was himself. He felt that he was aggrieved and hard done by because he coveted it the place of Christ, the son, next to the father. And there's a huge contrast as we think about that. If we had time, we could have a look at Philippians 2, 5 to 8, but I think we can summarise that, where Christ came to this earth and made himself of no reputation, Mm. made himself of no reputation. Instead of seeking elevation, he sought demotion, Mm. and he demoted himself to the position of, in the Greek, the word is doulos, a slave. What a contrast between Lucifer who desired to sit on the throne of God on the farthest sides of the north and Christ who was willing to come and humble himself even to death, the death on the cross. Um in verse sixteen talks about the abundance of your trading, and verse seventeen it talks about other things. Jerry, can you summarise those for us, please? As
6: I understand it, the word trading really means slander. Yes. Uh, and, that, and that's how I picture, uh, Lucifer going around trying to undermine, uh, God's authority and to uh, plant in the minds of his fellow angels the idea that he, that is Lucifer, could do a better job. So essentially what it, I think it's about is that uh, he wants to take the position that is rightfully only God's to have and, um, and sadly, as we know, as we study the scripture, he had a lot of success in implanting that idea, and and that didn't happen overnight, because again, it's it's a mystery, isn't it? Um, how can perfect beings in a perfect environment be enticed to believe that what they have isn't good enough if it's all perfect? But here we are, and uh, and the consequence ultimately of that was that God said. You know, I have to deal with this. I have to uh, put an end to this because it's like a cancer that spreads and keeps on spreading. Yeah, yeah
3: that's what and, uh, Len said. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah, go yeah Ger- Jerry, that that's interesting because I believe um, maybe I'll put a plug in here for a couple of books that our, our um, listeners might be interested in getting one's called the story of redemption the other one's called patriarchs and prophets in one of those books it states very clearly that god offered him the opportunity on many occasions to return to his position there was a point at which lucifer left his position as covering a cherub in order to as you said jerry to disseminate this slander He spent his time doing that rather than what his job was, was to be in the very presence of God. God offered him repentance and restoration to his position on numerous occasions. Uh, Len, have you got any thoughts for us on this?
4: Yes, I imagine this trading was a bit like this. Yeah. I think Lucifer started a whisper campaign in heaven and he said, well, how do you know that God loves you? You don't know. Because you have no alternative. And he yes. put himself up as an alternative candidate. He said, now, look, if you serve me, then you'll then you'll understand what love is. Yes. And so I see it a bit like it was a political um, campaign on his behalf that he was suggesting that he would do a better job than God.
3: Mm. Good point, then.
4: I suspect some angels who had never uh, been subject to deceit were deceived by him and followed him.
3: Yeah, Will, did you have a thought for us on this?
5: I think, besides the fact that he was obsessed with his own selfish desire, he, he certainly was. <laughs> he felt, he felt, I believe, that he wanted to be free of the restraints of his father's house. Yes. Now, that's exactly why the prodigal son in the parable left his home, left the home of his security, and landed up in a mess. And so Satan and that son become prodigal. One repents and one doesn't. You know, I wonder if Jesus wasn't also thinking of Luther when he told the story of the parable
3: of the prodigal son. That's an interesting thought, Will. I've never thought of it in that particular way, but uh, that is interesting. Um We've already touched on in in summary thus far that he gloried in his own beauty. He did Mm. not recognise the source of where his beauty and his wisdom and his power came from. Mm. He took all the glory to that to himself. And it reminds me of a text in Jeremiah 9, which I do (coughs) want to share with us. It says this. Mm -hmm. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches, but... Let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, Mm -hmm. that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, note the next one, justice and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight. As we move on in our study, we come to verses 17 to 19 of Ezekiel 28. We've um, looked at this in a reasonably in-depth way today. Ken, I wondered if you can share with us a couple of comments here um, as you read those particular texts. What What can you share with us on uh, what God now says? After we've come to verse 14, where iniquity was found in him, the violence of his trading, and now we come to verse 17 and to 19. Ken, what, what uh, can you share with us on this?
7: I think, Brenton, God sums us up really, really well about Satan. He does, doesn't he? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Starting at verse nine, uh, 17, mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. says, Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast Ah. you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. You defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of your trading. Therefore, I brought fire from your midst. It devoured you, and I turned you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all you saw you. All who knew you among the peoples are astonished at you. You have become a horror and shall be no more forever. Now, this is really interesting because at the time, God is telling what's happened in that particular time, but He's also telling the forward time and what's actually going to happen to Satan in the very end. And it's it's an amazing story how we have this amazing being who God created to be the one of the most perfect people in heaven, and how He's gone full circle to become a horror to the. Entire universe, never mind our earth. And it's really interesting, I think, the last few words, and yes. you shall be no more forever. So here we see that this is known as a prophetic perfect. The past tense used to depict a future event as already having happened because it is so certain to come to pass. And
3: this is wonderful news. The yes. end of sin and the originator of it. Yeah. Any any uh, further panel comments on this one, Joe?
2: Well, that reminds me of Matthew twenty five forty one, where it says um, that he will be cast into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. The devil and his, and his,
3: angels. And his angels, yes. Mm. That's yeah.
2: definitely permanent. <laughs>
3: yeah. It, isn't it interesting before we come to len isn't it interesting though what jesus said here joe what you just the eternal fire is not prepared for sinners sinners will be unfortunately be part of the eternal fire the eternal fire is prepared for the devil and his angels and unfortunately all those who are deceived by him will also be there but the original purpose of it is to destroy satan and his angels Lynn, did you have a thought for us? Yes,
4: just to add to and reiterate, uh, Revelation 20, verse 10 says, And the devil, who deceived them, was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and false prophet had been thrown. He knows what his end is going to be. He's going to be completely and utterly destroyed, as his evil angels and those who refuse to accept God's offer of love.
3: Mm, that's, that's true, Len. That's both uh, a warning, but it's also sad, isn't it? Because the offer is there, the offer of salvation. We all know that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, and yet people will choose not to do it. Nick, in Revelation twelve seven to 9, I wonder if you could summarise for us fairly briefly. Um, we have touched on the issue, but... We have touched on what Lucifer did. We have touched on the fact that he rebelled. We have touched on the fact that a significant number of angels joined him in his rebellion. I believe his position alongside the throne of God gave him a fair degree of influence. But in Revelation twelve seven to 9, it, it gives us a picture of something, Nick, uh, that seems to be foreign to a perfect uh, universe. And it's a, a, it's a word that starts with W.
0: That's right, uh, Brenton. And uh, we are so familiar with that word, <laughs> war. Um, you know, it's interesting that as we look in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, which carries the name Revelation to reveal to us the will of God, so many people are not interested in the book of Revelation, thinking that this is too uh, close. Too, too hard to understand. Or too yeah. hard to understand. Mm-hmm. But these are amazing treasures in this uh, book, uh, of Brenton. And I'm just going quickly uh, uh, to just uh, highlight a few things from this passage. First of all, that, uh, as you mentioned, the war broke in heaven, and Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. Look here, uh, the angel of light there is named dragon now, because a dragon is to destroy, to devour, to uh, all those aspects and characteristics. But uh The passage here says that they did not prevail against God. Thank goodness for that. Thank thank goodness for that. Absolutely. (laughs) Even though in verse 9 it says here, so the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of all, called the devil and Satan. And this is the next word which really it's important. Who deceives the whole world? He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast with him. In heaven, after even he, after his rebellion, he was not going to reason with God or present his case there in front of other angels. He deceived them. Yes. Yes. He was working on deception. And I believe this is very important for us today who live on this earth, because in verse 12, in the same uh, chapter, uh, chapter 12 in Revelation, it says, therefore, rejoice, O heaven, and you who dwell in them, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, knowing that he has a short time. Amen. Now this is addressed to each one of us uh, today, Brenton and panel, living on this earth. We need to be very careful to whom we pay our allegiance, yes. to whom we dedicate our life. Because if we dedicate our life to God, we are part of those uh, people who say, rejoice, oh heaven. Mm-hmm. Because we will be part of the kingdom of heaven and we'll, God will protect. Yes. But if we are Caught into the business of this world, woe mm. to those who are uh, just for this world because the enemy, who's the deceiver, he will do everything. Yeah. Again. If he was able to deceive a third of the angelical hosts, yes. we need to put that question soberly to us. Mm. Yeah. He can deceive us if we yeah. are not in God's kingdom. Good,
3: good point, Nick. Note this quote, um, which I found particularly interesting. It's relative to what took place after Christ's death, burial, resurrection and ascension. It says, Satan again counselled with his angels and with bitter hatred against God's government, told him that while he retained his power and authority upon earth, their efforts must be tenfold stronger against the followers of Jesus. They had prevailed nothing against Christ but must overthrow his followers if possible. Then Satan's angels went forth like roaring lions seeking to destroy the followers of Jesus. I think we've already quoted today a statement from First Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant for your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. In summary of our study today, Lydia, I wonder if you'd read a comment for us. Uh, which is particularly relevant, it summarizes pretty much what um, we have been discussing so far in our study.
1: Um, From the beginning, God and Christ knew of the apostasy of Satan and of the fall of man through the deceptive power of the apostate. God did not ordain that sin should exist, but he foresaw its existence and made provision to meet the terrible emergency. So great was his love for the world that he covenanted to give his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life.
3: Yeah, what a wonderful statement, eh, richard Yes. <laughs> okay, in summary we could say this. God created the universe and everything in it perfect, including Lucifer. God did not create a devil. Lucifer turned himself into a devil because he wanted God's authority and power, but not God's character of love. We could say God equals love, Lucifer equals selfishness and self-dependence. And if any of our listeners want to pursue this further, please contact Faith FM, guys. There uh, two books available that are of particular um, benefit in the study, not only of the lesson that we're doing with you now, but the studies we'll be doing in the future. Uh, One of them is called The Story of Redemption. I would highly recommend it. And the other one is a book called Patriots and Prophets. And the relevant section that you would be really interested in is Why Was Sin Permitted? I think it's the very first chapter. I wonder, Jerry, whether you would close with prayer for us, please. Yes.
6: Dear Heavenly Father, today's study, we've been discussing rebellion in a perfect universe. And it seems, as Brenton said previously, it seems like a a contradiction in terms. How can something that is perfect be tainted by even the possibility of rebellion, let alone its actual development? We struggle to understand how that can be and why an all-powerful, all-loving and all-wise God would allow rebellion and sin to exist in view of all the misery and the pain and suffering and death that would sweep over the world. Yet the Bible gives us a framework, an understanding for its origins, the consequences of its outworking and, and God's plan of salvation to recreate a perfect world and destroy rebellion and sin, and thereby eradicate it forever from his creation.
1: Mm.
6: Lord, without the biblical revelation of where sin originated, we are at a loss to find answers for the origins and existence of evil. But we thank you, Lord, that because of the perfect life of Jesus, which he lives for us, his perfect sacrifice on Calvary's cross, which he made for us and his victory over death by his resurrection, that we can all live in the knowledge that death and sin and suffering and rebellion will be gone forever when Jesus returns and makes all things new. So please, Lord, bless all our listeners. In closing, we ask that your hand may be over them all to guide them and to bless them. And may we all meet again next week as we continue our study together is our wish and prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I will
0: thank you everyone for your participation today. This was a very important topic, but not as easy to grasp or to understand, you know, uh, in our sinful mind. Um, but the Bible and God promised us that He will reveal to us His secrets. And we are looking forward to learn more, and have that hope in God, which will pull us through. Next time, we are going to deal with death in a sinful world. And my dear listener, please uh, don't miss that one, because we are all affected about this terrible thing, which is called death. And we are going to learn a little bit more about that aspect. Until then, may God richly bless you
2: and continue to trust in God and walk in the footsteps of Jesus.